only thing we're expected to go back to is, is for our bodies to go back after birth. Everything else, mm-hmm. our whole lives change, our routines change, our relationships change, everything changes. And yet we're expected to have the same body. And it's so absurd because of course your body's going to change dramatically and it might never look like it did before. And why, why would we care if it did? I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet, over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. Thank you for tuning into another episode of the podcast. Today's episode is an important one, and I want to put it in the context of this episode being released on May 4th during Maternal Mental Health Awareness Week, and May is also Mental Health Awareness Month. Now, this isn't a conversation that is specifically focused around mental health, but instead, it highlights something that is so important for our mental health and overall well-being, which is our self-care and prioritizing ourselves. And as the expression goes, if you can't prioritize you, no one else will. I am so thrilled to be sitting with Katie Watkins today. Katie is a working mom of three, a self-love advocate, a true believer in the mental and physical benefits of exercise, and she's on a personal mission to encourage women, especially moms, to put themselves on the top of their priority lists. During her second postpartum season, Katie, craving connection and determined to develop self-love and confidence, began sharing her life publicly on Instagram. What began as an accountability page for her postpartum fitness journey grew into an authentic, vulnerable, and relatable journal of self-acceptance, body respect, and the highs and lows of motherhood. I wanted to sit with Katie because I am inspired by what she offers to her community by teaching us that we need to prioritize ourselves and that only we can do this. Whether you are a mother or a woman trying to prioritize you, I want to remind you that you matter in the equation. Now, after the recording, Katie and I talked more about our experiences with our bodies postpartum and making time for ourselves, as this is one of the most common challenges we both hear from the mothers in our communities. Now, I had already turned off the recording, but scrambled to write down what she said because it left me with chills, and I wanted to share it here. She said that the question really comes down to it, not about being the actual time, but rather this question, do you value yourself to make the time? Oh, do you value yourself to make the time? I know motherhood is hard. I also know that life in general, everything else becomes so important with or without kids and it keeps us busy. And often we ourselves are the last on that priority list. There are so many demands and sometimes we feel like there is no support and ultimately we need to find that time. Sometimes it means putting baby in the bouncy seat or the kids are in front of the screen. And even when guilt shows up, we can still do what we need to do. Let's go into today's episode. Katie, thank you so much for joining me here today. I am so glad that we are getting this chance to sit together and to bring this conversation to life. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so uh, flattered that you asked me to speak today. Yes, I love absolutely everything that you're doing. So I think before we even get started, let's tell listeners three things about who you are so they can get to know those pieces as well. Oh, sure. Um, So, I mean, you will have found me from Instagram where I really just share about my life essentially, um, which is as a mom of three, um, I'm a sort of a fitness enthusiast-ish and have become more interested in talking about um, body confidence and body respect and uh, self-care and and just ensuring that we prioritize ourselves as, as women um, beyond just being mothers. Um, but mostly 
mostly I'm on there just kind of my day-to-day life and, and then trying to share little tidbits of um, my own sort of inspirations when they come. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and beyond that, I'm also um, going back to work full time. So I've always been a, a working mom, but had an extended mat leave recently with my, my third child, who's 18 months old today, actually. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Happy um, half birthday. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, so yes, I'm also a working mom. I work in communications. And so that's sort of a whole other part of my life. I, I will get into sharing as I go back into that stage of, uh-huh. of life, which is, is very different from the postpartum stage I've been sharing more recently and, and, and be, being a stay at home mom. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you know, you know, one of the things I love about your Instagram space is just, I mean, I feel like I'm going for walks with you every morning when you're dropping the kids off at school and back and you really just showing up authentically. And I'm curious about your journey through doing that on Mm. Instagram. Yeah, it is an interesting journey, I guess. I mean, I think anyone, I think most people who grow on Instagram don't necessarily start out seeking that. Um, it certainly wasn't my my um, goal. I joined Instagram when my second born was eight weeks old. Oh, no, that's not true. That's not true. I joined it a little bit later. <laughs> at, at eight weeks old, I started my fitness program. Okay, so this is why I, I, I thought it was eight weeks, because I then did that for about six months. And then it was actually on New Year's Day when I decided I wanted to work on my own like self-love and self-care. And I wanted to connect with other women, too. And the workout program that I did had a really strong online community. So I thought I would open up an an Instagram account and just start connecting with people about that. And it was a public account, but I know for the first couple of months, like hid my face. (laughs) (laughs) For what reason? Well, you know, you know, yeah, it's a good question. That is the deeper question, right? Why was I kind of embarrassed by it? I think beginning an, uh, an exercise program can be, sometimes you feel a little bit of embarrassment around it. Yes. Um, whether it be, you know, not wanting to be held accountable for it and people to know that you started it and maybe didn't mm-hmm. finish it. Although that's exactly one of the reasons I was, I was talking about on Instagram is I did want that added accountability at the time. But um, yeah, I guess I was, just, I was, I just felt a little bit of embarrassment about sh- oversharing my life and, um, you know, being in my sports bra on the camera and being vulnerable. And it's funny to this day, I still struggle a little bit with sharing that part of my life with people who I know, you know, in real life. There, there are people I, some friends of mine that don't even know about my account. <laughs> Right. It's yeah. really over the last year that a lot of them have uh, have found out about it. And um, it's almost like my world's colliding. But um, I, just, I work, I'm working through that on my own, too, um, because I do think it's important that I don't feel shame around around my account. Um, there's no reason to. Uh-huh. I'm trying it's- to kind of. It's really interesting that you say that because when I started uh, being within my own profession, showing up on Instagram again, not the idea to grow in any way, but just to reach more people, mm-hmm. I didn't tell anybody. I whispered it. I'm on Instagram yeah. <laughs> and, and I wouldn't tell people. And it wasn't until later on when some of my friends would say, oh, I found you on Instagram sharing this stuff. And it is this, it's a really vulnerable space to show up in it some is. ways. It is. And I feel you know what it is for me? Um, I'm always jealous of people like yourself who you're standing behind a profession and you're actually offering real advice that you have been educated to give. <laughs> um, and I think that's part of where I struggle with sharing my account in real life. Mm. I'm kind of like, what am I offering? I don't, you know, I talk a lot about fitness, but I'm, I'm not certified in anything. And, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm very transparent about that. Same as um, nutrition. Again, I talk mm-hmm. about what I eat mostly because people want to hear it, but um, I have to always qualify that with, I'm not a nutritionist. Right. And, and so I think sometimes that's part of the problem is I'm like, I'm not qualified to be giving advice here. Mm. 
Um, I'm not asking to give it either. I'm just sharing my life. You're Um, sharing your life, which in some ways though, Katie is more of a vulnerable experience, right? And and I know you talk about showing up with vulnerability and building this community from that, because that is what connects people. Ultimately, that's what we're looking for. So in some ways you do show up in a much more vulnerable way than behind a profession, because it's well, exactly. And that's why I think it's been a bit more challenging for me to kind of own it. I have, mm-hmm. I've always sort of brushed it aside as like a, something I enjoy doing. But if I'm really honest with myself, it's something I feel quite strongly about. And it's a big part of my life. It certainly takes up a lot of time. And um, it's, it's had a profound impact on me in terms of what I've got from it. So mm-hmm. So it's, it is showing up vulnerably. Yes. It can be difficult sometimes, but. I'm wondering what you mean by that when you say it has been this profound impact on me. Like, what, what do you think this journey has been for you? Yeah, I mean, I'll probably struggle to put it into words, but I guess it's just that connection with other people and realizing the impact of, of sharing your own life um, publicly. When I, when I hear from women about, you know, uh, how a post of mine made a huge difference to them Hmm. and or how sharing my postpartum experience has completely transformed the way they look at their bodies or the way they approach fitness now and things like that it's just amazing to know that you're making an impact on someone else's life Uh and that in turn of course impacts me um so yeah it has been a really a really interesting experience um has its challenges but definitely it's a lot of a lot of good comes out of it too. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom, and instead, my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using Loop Engage to help dampen the sound around me, and these loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation. I still hear Greg. I can still hear the kids. I love that they are so comfortable and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you. The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code Loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's shrink, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality. But the best part is that if you're worried about commitment, enjoy a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty on all of your purchases. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code SHRINK for an exclusive 35% off and give the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth. 
Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, there is no compromise. So we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. And you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's zocdoccom slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. It's this at the core of what we need, and that is this sense of not feeling so alone. And motherhood has this way of isolating us in a way, right? That when I think of my own experiences and, you know, if I was sitting on the couch nursing all day or feeding baby, like, you know, I it's very much on my own and feeling alone and disconnected from my old identity, from my old parts of me, that this was a way of connecting and feeling closer to other people so that I didn't feel so alone. Oh, very much so. I think mothers today are very lucky to have social media. Uh In some ways we can get into how it also creates a lot of, um, you know, competition and people feeling less than because of what they see other people have. But ultimately, I think what it does is makes people feel not alone in their own experience. And, uh-huh. and, um, and that's huge. It's huge for moms who I think, like you said, it's so isolating being a mom and you always feel like you're doing something wrong or you're the only one who has this situation or that. And to learn that you don't can just make such a huge change in your life yes yeah how do you keep out of those comparisons because you're talking about that right there and and I absolutely know it's like that flip side on one hand I feel connected I see that other people are struggling too but on the flip side there are these picture perfect moments we only show the highlight reel Mm -hmm. Um, we don't see the mom up all night crying because her baby's not sleeping or you know even the struggles with how we feel about our bodies Mm -hmm. how do you deal with comparison that shows up for you mm-hmm. yeah um I don't I'm not sure why it is I don't have too hard of a time with it anymore I think I've be, just got to a really great place in my own life where mm. I I kind of understand that um you know I'm, I'm just I'm happy with my life sort of thing but I think maybe, maybe it's because I have my own experience as someone sharing online that I understand that it's not all real. I certainly have my own things that my community have no idea about. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's just the way it is. So if I had that, I'm sure other people do too. And then there's just, you know, always making sure to sort of ground myself in the friendships I have in real life and having those discussions with my friends um, and sisters and things like that. And, understanding that we all have something that makes our lives hard in, you know, relatively speaking to, to our own experience. No one's life is picture perfect. And then, and then the other thing I would say is making sure that I'm following accounts that do share real life experiences and vulnerabilities and the hard things too. Um, and that make me feel good. There's mm-hmm. no, you know, I, I often advocate for kind of clearing out who you're following if, if they make you feel badly about yourself. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're an awful account. I've even told others to perhaps unfollow me at times if, if they've felt sort of triggered by what I'm sharing, then you don't need that in your space. Your phone is something you're staring at so many hours of the day, like make sure it's a healthy space for you. Uh-huh. you're finding yourself comparing yourself against someone else's like beautiful home or perfect children then maybe you mute those people for a little while 
I love that you said that. It's just this, like, taking this um, uh, this choice, this power back into your own hands that you get to choose. And it is powerful if you're on social media that you get to choose what you take in. Does this feel good anymore? Or do I want to put this down? Or maybe I want to unfollow this person. And to be a, a conscious consumer. Yes, absolutely. In all things, but even in, in just who you're following. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So motherhood has a way of just throwing us for a big loop. Like I, I always say that becoming a mom was the hardest thing I've ever done. I thought sitting in a room, writing a PhD years on end would be the hardest thing. And it was not because I was the most ill-prepared for, for becoming a mom. It was hard through pregnancies and, you know, miscarriages and postpartum, just nobody really prepares us for that. And, you know, I think one of the things that really stood out to me about your story was about realizing that you had to look after you Mm -hmm. and you were the only person to be able to do that. I'm wondering if you can talk about that a bit. It was right. That was at that, that it was at that moment when I kind of had that realization that I started my account um, because I wanted something for me, and I was also choosing exercise as sort of that thing that would be mine um, and that would allow me to prioritize myself. So it was after my second, and after I had my first um, when we were living in London, England, um, and we had just moved home when my when I was seven months pregnant with my daughter, and so we had my daughter, and then I sort of hit this this stage of just feeling like lost in motherhood, um, like I didn't. I didn't love the way I looked or felt. I felt weak. Um, I didn't recognize my body. I didn't recognize myself really. Um, so it was, a, it was a difficult stage that I think so many moms can relate to. Uh-huh. And I kind of, I, I just had this, it was New Year's Day. I just had this like moment where I was like, I need to do something and I need, to, and I need to do it. No one can do it for me. It's also a hard time in a marriage as it often is when you have a, a young child. Which I think is something we don't normalize enough about, eh? that how how impactful having children is on our relationship and that everybody struggles to adjust. Absolutely. It's massive. It's massive. Um, And so I was choosing then that even my husband couldn't make the change for me or couldn't, you know, if I wasn't feeling loved, um, that was probably my own issue that I needed to fix. And that was sort of the realization I was having. So I was like, I'm going to commit to this exercise program. I saw that as an answer. I was lucky that it turned out the way it did because I could, it could have gone a different way for me. Um, and, and I started this account to be more vulnerable and to start connecting with women. And, and in, in that process, I started prioritizing myself and it was only sort of for a half an hour a day, but it made the biggest impact on me to know that I had, that I was achieving something outside of motherhood was, was big for me. That piece is so important, isn't it? Just how all-consuming motherhood can be. And I totally get it because, you know, for myself, I am I openly talk about how much I love control and I need to know how things are going to go. And in the, that those early months, that first year, looking at sleep and how things are going, and there is no control. And so we feel lot, I felt lost many times of not being able to know, okay, what am I going to sleep tonight? Or what's na- what is nap going to happen today? And it just all consumes you of trying to figure out what does my day look like? Am I going to be okay? Am I going to sleep? Am I going to get rest? Am I going to heal? And we lose ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. Yeah. I, I mean, I very much have that experience too. I think I'm similar to you and that I enjoy control for sure. But for me, it was also that I just, I was, I felt a a large sense of unworthiness. Like I knew that I was a good mom, but that didn't feel like enough. It's like, what am I beyond this? So I wanted something, I wanted something additionally, I guess. Um, Uh Yeah. That's a hard feeling that shows up, eh? This like, I'm not a good mom, that I'm not worthy. And then how can I start to find that? I, I know for many women, they say, it's too hard to prioritize myself. I don't have the time or guilt shows up. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a big one. I and mean, it's huge for moms. And it's true that, 
I mean, there's so many like annoying inspirational sayings I could say <laughs> that I'm not going to say because I do find them so frustrating. <laughs> the one that is so true is about how you will never find the time and you have to make it. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever you prioritize is, is what you're going to make happen. So there was no time in the day to work out. Of course there wasn't. I had, I had two under two and, and no help in sight. <laughs> and there, there wasn't, there was no option for working out, but I just, you know, it became a non-negotiable for me. And once, mm-hmm. once that happens, then you're going to fit it in. It's all about this idea of making an appointment with yourself and not breaking it or making mm-hmm. a promise to yourself and, and treating it like you would treat making a promise to your best friend that you wouldn't break. We're so quick to, to let ourselves down, but no one else. Oh, it's so true that we, we will hold that meeting to go meet a friend or to show up for a family member or someone else, but we won't do it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's so powerful. I love that you have said that. And just this sense of, you know, this is, this becomes a non-negotiable because if I can do this for myself, then what, what comes out of that? What are the gains? Yeah, absolutely. The sense of like accomplishment that you get from that and feeling of, of having done something useful that day beyond. And of course, when you think about it logically, you're doing something amazing every day by raising a child. Like uh-huh. you're extremely busy and you're doing the most important work that there is. <laughs> but yes. sometimes that's, when it's your every day, that feels very monotonous and you don't see the impact of it. Uh-huh. And it's, it's really nice to pick up something for yourself that you can see yourself progressing in and see that you've committed to. And, and that can feel, that can feel really good. So it doesn't, I I always say now, it certainly does not have to be exercise. Of course not like anything that you're kind of passionate about outside of motherhood, whatever that may be Uh to, to just ensure that you're taking time to do it. And it becomes the non-negotiable because I know for, for many partners, the birthing partner, they'll say, well, I have to be with baby or I can't leave or I can't take the hot shower. And, and you can, if we are in a partnership, if we have that support there, Mm -hmm. um, there are those choices. It's just the, are we prioritizing that and how can we find that wiggle room in there? Yeah, well, absolutely. And also, what does it do for you as a mother once you have accomplished it or haven't? Because I noticed that very early and it just reinforced my own ability to keep prioritizing me because I Mm -hmm. I saw that it was making me a better mom. It was um, because it was it was exercise that gave me more energy. So, you know, instead of napping, I actually felt a million times better for having worked out uh-huh. and I was, you know, I felt great. You know, sure. Part of that was endorphins, but I think I also was just like really, really happy that I had had that time to myself. And now I was back re-energized, ready to, you know, be a mom again. <laughs> yeah. And it made me a better mother sort of nur- like nur- nurturing that part of me. And I think it, it does that for, I think that it does that for everyone. If you, if you give into yourself, um, you can give more to other people. And it's such an important message that we're teaching our children that, that there's two pieces here. What am I teaching my daughter and about what it means to be mom? That mom is allowed to have her own identity. She's allowed to have a part of herself that is separate and outside of the home. And then also, what am I teaching my son about what it means to be a woman that women don't have to only be at home, only be looking after the kids. They can do these other things that also matter to them. Oh yeah. That's a huge piece of it too. It really is setting those examples for both of them because I I have a boy and two girls and I do, I feel those things hugely, like making sure that they understand that, you know, daddy's job isn't any more important than mommy's. And, you know, dad's being on a work call is just as important as mom's half hour downstairs exercising where you leave her alone, basically. So, yeah. And even just outside of, um, um, you know, male and female, just kids, the kids generally understanding that their parents have other 
things in life that they have to do and other passions outside of parenthood and you know that they you know they might want to go out with their friends one night or go have dinner alone Uh and that's okay it doesn't make them any less of a parent um it just means that they value themselves outside of parenthood as well This year, I truly prioritized my self-care routine, and that meant looking at my beauty products. And when the topic of deodorant came up in the Instagram community, you guys all said, go check out Primarily Pure, try their natural deodorant. And I have to admit, at first, I thought, no way could a natural deodorant work for me. And I'm so excited to share that their Blue Tansy product has been absolutely amazing. Not just the deodorant, but I love their masks as part of my skincare routine, and I really love to value everything that Primarily Pure has to offer. Head over to PrimarilyPure.com and check out their skincare products. Be sure to check out their deodorant. I promise you will not be disappointed by this. And to save 15%, use the code DrTracyD at checkout. I'm wondering about your aha moment when you realized that you could love your body because you had mentioned earlier that part of what you have been sharing and creating community around is finding this body confidence and self-love. And I know for so many people, for so many women, they struggle what happens to their body. Like somehow, I mean, we, we know those myths that show up that we should be bouncing back that we should become a sexual being again at six months postpartum. (laughs) Sorry, six weeks. I said six months. Oh my goodness. Six weeks. Right. I said six months because I'm so conditioned to think we're just taking sex off the table for the first year. That's what I'm telling. Six months is still unreasonable. (laughs) (laughs) Totally unreasonable. Yeah. So six weeks, but this, this idea that, you know, that we just cherish the belly, our bellies when we're pregnant, or maybe we don't, um, and we don't feel good about our changing, changing bodies. But then also this idea that somehow we should just bounce back afterwards. I'm wondering for you, what was that aha moment where you just felt, okay, I can love my body? Mm-hmm. I don't know that I had a really specific aha moment. Um, when I alluded to before about how how my my choice to choose exercise as my thing um, worked out really well for me, but it, it might it might have not gone that way. What I meant with that is that I became like many women do, really quite obsessed with um, with my body, um, and you know excited about gains and losing weight and all that kind of thing. I went through a period of that, and if you scroll all the way back my Instagram, you you will see those a lot of like before and after shots and things like that. I was really proud of what oh. I had accomplished physically, which you know what, there's nothing wrong with that, but um, but there there's some problematic thoughts there as well I think too much focus on the body essentially like when Uh, you look back you can see that there yeah and I've moved away from a lot of those discussions and types of photos generally because I've and this is probably a a more a different conversation but I've noticed the impact that that can have on others I'm much more aware of that now and and very protective of my community and anyone who might come across those types of photos so so there's that. But uh, what happened with me is I got to this really fit place. Great. And then I think what happened, we say, aha, moment. I don't know that I have it, but I know that I started following more accounts that started just challenging the thinking that I was having about your body and how much importance you should be placing on it and, you know, what's wrong with gaining weight and why are we so focused on bouncing back and why it's problematic to focus on weight loss and all of these things. And, and it started to change the way I thought about it, change the way I shared my own fitness experience. I knew I struggled with it because I knew that for me, fitness was really positive. Uh, I wasn't unhealthy mm-hmm. um, in my approach to it. Perhaps at times, maybe a little more obsessive, certainly than I am now. Um, but I knew it was a good thing in my life. Uh, so I struggled a little bit with that. Um, but then I guess it was really when I became pregnant with my third and I had, I was sort of at my, my most fit and really happy with the way I was physically just generally. Um, and I told myself that this would be 
the real test of whether or not I actually loved my body because I figured it was easy enough to love it when it looked good to me. Right. Mm. And would it be, would it be so easy when it ultimately would look very different? And I knew it would, I've always gained a lot of weight in pregnancies and it takes me a while to drop the weight at post-pregnancy. Um, so I knew that it would be a big change and I wondered what that would be, how that would, how that would shift my, um, my feelings on my body. And I shared that early. I said, you know, this is going to be like the biggest opportunity for me to really see if I do truly love my body or if I've, I just love it because it's easy to right now. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like then, the outside, eh? the outside is fitting this space that I have met some kind of ideal that mm-hmm. society has given me mm-hmm. in my mind. And so I've met that. And now that I'm about to change and, and, for a wonderful thing that it is to be pregnant, but also just in general, if our bodies are to change over time as they do, can I still accept me? Exactly. Exactly. I knew, I knew that it was going to be a challenge and a test for me. Um, but I was excited and I was confident I would, I would maintain, um, sort of the positive approach that I was holding. And, and so I worked on that throughout my pregnancy and I shared the whole experience online. And I talked about days where I was having sort of bad body image. And I, I advocated for myself when doctors told me I was gaining too much weight and had those conversations with my community a lot because many women have had similar experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came out of that pregnancy just like in awe of my body. I had such a positive postpartum experience. I think it's because it was also my third. So I knew that it was temporary, generally speaking. A lot of it was temporary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, just I admired my body and respected it so much for what it had done um, and what I knew it would continue to do. And and I shared it all. I shared, I shared that whole experience online. And I think it really resonated with a lot of women. Cause I remember after my first pregnancy, just like the shock of seeing my body for the first time and just not understanding that it would look that way and how, how long it took for me to, you know, lose some of the baby weight and things like that. And and I focused a lot on that. And my third time around, I was like, I am not wasting any time focusing on any of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to snuggle this baby forever because I know how quickly they grow. And mm-hmm. frankly, this body is awesome. Like, it's like, it's soft and it's, you know, got the marks and the pigmentation of of just having a baby and this. Uh, stretch marks and all of those things, but I, I loved it. I think also it helped so much that it had become more normalized online for me, at least in the accounts I followed that yeah. I, I truly only saw something really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I still see that so much now when I, when I look at any postpartum body online, like I just think it's one of the most beautiful things, but I recognize that a lot of people don't see it that way yet. And I think it does take time and in the sharing of our own images, if you're, if you're happy to be that vulnerable, mm-hmm. it makes such an impact for other women to see it and to know it's normal and that it's actually like yeah. beautiful, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, I can think of kind of the messaging that we grew up with being kind of the 80s babies and the shape magazines, um, the fitness magazines, and that's what was available to us. That was really the only form of what does another body's image, like what does another woman's body looks like? Oftentimes we see that in the magazines, all the airbrushing and changes. Mm -hmm. And that was the standard of comparing ourselves. And there wasn't this openness around what postpartum look like how our bodies can change how we can you know I I love how you just described looking at what people would describe as flaws as these parts that you love Mm -hmm. that it's not about this airbrushed image it's actually this is your body and it's amazing and all that it can do I can remember after my first pregnant like with my son when he was born 
that I felt this pressure. And again, kind of feeling like I had gained too much weight using air quotes, according to Mm -hmm. the physicians, too much weight and, uh, you know, wanting to bounce back and battling with my own body image before getting pregnant and, and really just putting this pressure on myself and taking away this opportunity to bond with my little guy. And to the point where my body reacted to the hormones that were, that I was experiencing that, I would go to bed with sore knees and hands and feet from working out too hard, not knowing that I shouldn't have been doing the jumping jacks and the hit workouts at, mm-hmm. oh goodness, I don't remember how early I was doing them, but I would wake up in the morning or to feed my little guy in the middle of the night. And it was almost as if I had this arthritis in my wow. body. And I was this like breaking point of, can I just accept myself for as I am right now, instead of forcing myself back into this mold and reevaluate, like what really matters during this time? Am I going to look back and remember that I fit back into those jeans or that I was this weight, this number on the scale, or am I going to remember holding my little guy and snuggling and being present in this time, this important time in our life. Oh, absolutely. It's so sad when you think of it that way, that there's so many women, I would say the majority of moms um, struggle so much with the way they look after, after giving birth and it's probably top of mind for them. Um, Absolutely. Instead of of trying to enjoy all the moments, but yeah, I shared this one post in it. Um, I know it resonated with so many people. It had, I mean, it, it was shared a lot and I still look back at the words a lot myself about, about how we are expected. The only thing we're expected to, to go back to is, is for our bodies to go back after birth. Everything else, our whole lives change, our routines change, our relationships change, everything changes. And yet we're expected to have the same body and it's, it's so absurd because of course your body's going to change dramatically and it might never look like it did before. And why, why would we care if it did? Why do we care? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not to mention just like your body's going to change as years pass because high aging, but this is what, this is what, you know, the magazines have taught us is like hanging on to what you looked like before, both when it comes to, not letting yourself age. And if you have a baby, making sure that you look like you didn't have a baby. Uh Whereas I'm way more interested now in looking like you had a baby. (laughs) (laughs) I love stretch marks and crinkly tummies. That's my big thing. And I love all of that. I look at the, it's like a source of pride now, like a mark of pride when I see another woman at the swimming pool. Um, And that, you know, that's not to say that, you know, women who can't have children are any less than that's for sure. But it's, it's just like just speaking to women who, who are pregnant and have babies that, you know, their bodies are, you know, have gone through something so incredible and you should uh-huh. be honest with that as opposed to trying to erase it. I look at my daughter and well, I, I look at both of my kids and I just, I'm in awe that they have no awareness of, of their body in the sense of an evaluation or a judgment and it it truly is my daughter who is teaching me this journey of self-love and self-acceptance of my body because I see her and it, it, her body is just absolutely beautiful. And I'm thinking, well, where, then where did I go? Where did I go the other way? And how did I start to get all this messaging? And that how can I then start to undo that? Because she doesn't look at her body with any evaluation. Rather, it's just a, this is so cool. Do you see me climbing? Look at what my body can do for me. And that is so powerful. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure how old your children are, but um, I think regardless, that's like a real testament of, of you and your, and how you've, um, presented yourself in front of them all this time. Cause as we know, kids are just sponges yes. and pick up everything. I'm so aware of it now. And so careful with how I say anything in front of them. Yes. Even, even makeup recently. I actually don't usually wear much makeup. I dressed up a little bit for today. Um, <laughs> 
But somehow my four-year-old daughter has become obsessed with makeup. (laughs) She has her own kit. She loves putting it on and she'll say things like, I'm going to put on my makeup as I have to be beautiful. And I get so upset because I'm like, I, I hope that's not what I say. Mm -hmm. I know I know it's not what I say. Who knows where she's picked this up, but I'm so aware of her. I'm not wanting her to think that like she needs to be made up or needs to look Mm -hmm. a certain way or anything about her body or ever, ever using phrases like, like, um, you know, mommy needs to go work out because she ate this yesterday. Yeah. No, but 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 when you do say those types of things in front of their kids, not thinking about, not thinking that there's anything wrong with that, or truly believing that that is what you have to do after you've eaten something. Yes. Um, So it's so important to be really careful with your language and honestly, just how how you live your life in front of your kids. They're gonna, they're not. Uh they're picking up on all of that um they're watching and absorbing and identifying right that that's what that is it's the identity katie my daughter is in the same stage she's three and a half and i don't know what happened because i intentionally don't wear makeup on my off days when i come to work i do put the makeup on to see my clients but the same thing with her she wants to sit beside me and to be with me and so i've given her a little stick that has nothing in it and then suddenly the other day she said she was so upset she said I want to do makeup. I want to be beautiful. And I thought, this isn't something I've ever said. Where did this come from? So all I could think was, okay, my type A part, like I'm going to have to go and do all the Googling and reading of how to undo all of that. But, But it is that awareness of what are the messages that our kids are picking up from us and how can we help them see something completely different than what we've been conditioned to and with the beauty industry and how much money is spent within that to make us feel like there is something wrong with us. Absolutely. Uh Isn't it crazy what the the amount they make off of our insecurities is upsetting to say the least. I'm so glad that we've had this chance to sit down and talk together and put this on record here and just talk about your journey of just going inwards and finding you and self-love. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that when I look at your stories and what you're posting and what you're sharing and building in your community is I always take away this piece of how much you prioritize you. And that your identity is important for how you show up in the world uh, and also as mom. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if you could leave people with three things. What would be those three things you would want a mother or someone working on their own self-love to know? Oh, goodness. Narrowing it down to three is hard. Um, (laughs) um, I think when it comes to the body piece, which I think is a huge one and one that I... I speak to a fair amount um, is understanding that coming to this understanding that your body is actually the least important thing about you. And when I first heard that, it shocked me because I had put so much emphasis and at, at this stage, so much emphasis on, on loving my body. But what I've come to learn is it's not really about loving your body. And actually when you make love, the end goal, you can feel really defeated because it's hard to reach that. Um, and it's more about, you know, approaching it with respect, really, hmm. um, seeing it that way. But understanding that your body is the least thing, least interesting and least important thing about you, that you are so much more than that. You know, you see these things online, like at your funeral, no one's going to say, you know, she had this size waist and her face looked like this. Like no one is going to talk about that. It truly is so much less important than everyone has made us really believe. Um, That's so huge. Mm -hmm. And then, and then when you, Another big one for me, like you say, is just prioritizing yourself and understanding that, yes, motherhood can be the number one most defining part of you. I would be lying if I said it wasn't mine. It it is. I mean, especially in this stage with young children, my life is consumed with my kids and that's okay. But making sure you prioritize yourself as an individual and a woman outside of motherhood is so critical I think to to your happiness really um 
at least that's how I felt. And it's made me a more confident and happy person. Um, and then there's that other piece, again, going back to body, um, that I'm, that I alluded to before about how your, your body's actually is meant to change. So yeah, let's, let's try and remove some of the focus on it and also just understand that it's, it's so beyond normal. In fact, it's abnormal for it not to change and, um, and just, you know, let it be like, Mm. you know, try to, for me, it's just, you know, trying to live like a balance is so difficult. I mean, you'll never achieve balance, but I mean, just like this place of understanding, like listening to your body and understanding what it actually needs. And sometimes that's exercise, but sometimes it's rest. Uh, Oftentimes it's rest and that's really okay. Um, But being honest with yourself about it too, because I think it's always going to feel better to lie on the couch, but um, ultimately sometimes doing something else is going to, is actually going to be better for you. It might be what your body's actually asking for. Right. So, so yeah, your body's meant to change and, uh, and just listen to it and honor it, but it's, it's not the the most important thing about you. You have so many other amazing qualities, um, that make you like the person that everyone in your life loves. I love those. I love all three of them. And particularly that last piece around just accepting and letting go. Mm. It's such a hard one and such an important one. Katie, where can people join your community and learn more about you? Yeah, I'm almost entirely just on on Instagram at Confidentially Katie. Um, I'm also on TikTok, which is a fun place to be. (laughs) It's a little less serious, but there's lots of cute content on there. (laughs) And um, and then I do have a website as well. So the odd time I'll sit down and write a long blog, but my Instagram captions tend to be of blog size on their own. So <laughs> I'm not on my website very often, <laughs> confidentiallykatie.com as well. It's all under, it's all under the same name. So I would love to, to see you there. Thank you for joining me here today, Katie. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tracy. That was so fun. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I would love to hear from you. Here's the thing about podcasting. I don't get to see who is liking or commenting this episode. So if you made it this far, send me a DM on Instagram or go to iTunes and leave a review. Click the stars and let me know what you thought of today's episode or another episode that you listened to. By leaving a review, it helps other people find this space. Until next time, take good care of you and remember that you are right where you need to be. Remember, the information in this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in. Fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.